I would like to focus our attention on two scripture passages for the message this morning. One is found in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, and then the book of uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. The Gospel of Luke chapter 11 Beginning with verse 1 and reading through verse 4. And then the book of Romans, chapter 12, and verse 12. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Amen. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Let me repeat it again. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Amen. Let me, let me begin by saying that I do have uh, about seven copies of my notes, uh, the outline for the message, and uh, first come, first serve, after service. Uh, if you, I probably would prefer some of the cell group leaders if you need one. Uh, if you don't have an email, if you have email, I will email it to you, so you don't have to worry about that. But if you don't have email in your cell group leader, you want to try and get to here as soon as you can, and we'll get you the cop- copy. I have one question that I want to ask you, and that's what we're going to try to deal with uh, for the rest of the uh, message today. And that question is... What is the most urgent need of the church? What is the most urgent need of the church? I believe that if we were to ask that question, and I gave everyone the opportunity to answer that question, 
we will probably have as many answers as we have people here. But the question does suggest, however, that there's only one answer. In other words, if I ask you what is your most favorite food, you're not going to give me 20. You're going to look for that one which is rice. (laughs) So it's really important for us to understand that what we are after this morning or this afternoon is what does God say? What does Jesus say? What does the Bible say is the most urgent need of the church? What is the most urgent need? If we were to ask God, help us in this area as a church so we can be the kind of church that you want in Marine City, the kind of church you want in Marine County, the kind of church you want in the whole Bay Area, and in fact around the world, what would be that one thing? Well, there were several suggestions that were made. Uh, a uh, former professor of mine at Northwest Baptist College, who is presently a uh, research New Testament uh, professor at uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Deerfield, Illinois, suggested that there were several things that most people in the church will talk about when you talk about the most urgent need in the church, especially because of the way and the world in which we live today. Probably the one thing most people will say is, we need purity in sexual matters. That would be the first thing most people will say. We live in a world that is all messed up. If we're going to be a church that is after the heart of God, we the most that we need is sexual purity. In our relationship with each other, in our relationship to the world, in our relationship in our home, in our relationship in our community, we know we need that. Why do we think we need that? That in the church, we're not talking about just in the world, we're talking also in the church. We have multiple marriages today in the church. We have people who don't believe in adultery, but they believe in going from one wife to another wife to another wife. We have today in uh, Marine County, in the Bay Area, in Oakland, in Richmond, in, even in Marine City, I may add, men who believe that they need to live like dogs. Only dogs go from one dog to another dog without any commitment. We need education. We need whatever it is that is going to make us a church that is sexually pure.
We need to be in such a situation that divorce will not even be mentioned among us. Multiple dating. Amen. You think you're having fun. Teenage pregnancy. Not just teenage pregnancy, but pregnancy period before marriage. It's going to be quiet in here today. (laughs) Today, pornography is rampant. It's not even something that you have to go into a store to buy anymore. All you have to do is just watch days of our lives. (laughs) Or as the world turns. All of my children are my relatives. <laughs> and I know that the problem of AIDS is not purely based on people's uh, sexual immorality, but we have AIDS rampant, not just outside, but also inside the church. And talk about sexually transmitted diseases. We don't even have it now where they broadcast it and do an ad in the, on the TV. Amen. Have you ever been, some of you who have young children, you've been driving around and they telling you if somebody has an erection four hours too long or something like that, that you want to turn the radio off but it's too late. You know what I'm talking about. And FCC can't block that out. All right, sir. I know I don't have time today, but if you just allow me a little bit. It is really amazing what is going on today. Where, you know, you watch TV, you're sitting down in your living room, you're watching TV, you think this is a family program. And here comes this, if you want to enlarge yourself. Uh-huh. <laughs> and you're looking and say, oh God, my daughter is there, you know. Watching the TV, we can't turn it off. This is the world in which we live. And we Christians, we have bought into it. Now, of course, I I realize this, and this is just my first point, and I have several points. I realize that you cannot control this, but this is the world in which we live. And if the church is going to be right to the world, we've got to do something about it. But I present to you, that is not our most urgent need. Some people say, well, our most urgent need is morality and spiritual perspective in reproductive matters. Let me make that simple. Some people say, well, what we need to talk about now is abortion and all the things that have to do with reproductive things that, you know, today people just don't pay any attention anymore. Even Christians. 
And today, some of our leaders are chosen because some of us are against what they believe in matters like abortion and things like that. It is so bad today. Some of you are looking at me and say, what is he talking about? Some of us, we need to emphasize it more. Pastor, why is it that we don't hear more preaching from you on abortion and homosexuality and these moral things that are out there in the world and some are blowing into the church? It is not a secret that most people know that most of the uh, 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 musicians in our churches are gay. And they don't even hide it. Am I getting on your nerves now? And they play their music. They play everything. And immediately the word is getting ready to be preached. They're out. Now, I know that this is bad and the church needs to speak up. The church needs to speak up against abortion. The church needs to speak up on our morals and our standards when it comes to homosexuality. Not against homosexuals, but against homosexuality. We need to speak up, but let me tell you, that is not the most urgent need of the church. You could leave that to Muslims. They're even doing a better job right now. What is the most urgent need of the church? Some say what we need most is integrity and generosity in financial matters. Many people are sick of churches because immediately the pastor gets up, they think he's getting ready to ask for money. And then when he asks you for money, I'm sorry, you you all want to take me to the islands? I'm not not going to reject it. But I won't ask you for it. I won't demand it. You go to some churches right now, they have a great program, but they mess it up with, we got to collect some, you know, help out. Then, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that, and they're sucking people from other churches who are being trained and being taught by some pastors. They're not supporting their pastors, but they're going to support this program. What we need is integrity in financial matters. Many of us live beyond our means. You can have a $10 an hour job and you buying a $150 shoe for your kid. That's financial craziness. And when you think of how much it costs them to make that shoe and how much you're paying for it, you're going to kick yourself. You can't pay your tithes, but you can pay $150 for a pair of shoes. Amen, lights. 
Many Christians cheat on their income taxes. Hello? Well, it's the IRS, you know. Uh, now, this is how we rationalize it. They're going to use the money for bombs anyway. <clears throat> Amen. Now, the Bible does say that we are managers of what God has given to us. We are not owners of it. And therefore, we need to manage it properly and don't give to the IRS what you ought not to give to them. Many of us are not even claiming the things we need to claim because we don't want to be audited. Giving your money away and we are not spiritual. We're not doing it with spiritual integrity. Keep all you can keep. Take all the deductions you are allowed to legally. Don't take deduction for your grandparent that's already dead four years ago. Spiritual integrity in um, generosity in financial matters. You, you know that our Sunday school lesson this morning was on what? What? Forgiveness. Oh, we're way behind. In Petaluma, we're not on forgiveness. Are we, are we not using the same book? Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> But anyway, our Sunday school lesson in Petaluma this morning was on generosity toward one another. How we ought to help one another. How there should be no one in the church who is suffering while we have our refrigerator full and we can't even eat all the food. We keep throwing them away every week. Take care of people. This church, we ought to be ashamed if you have anybody in this church going outside asking for help. Well, we don't know. Is their problem? No, it's our problem. We should know. Anyway, I don't have time. Let me move on. We need to be very careful because we live in a materialistic society and we should not let the way the world thinks affect the way we think as Christians. Are you still with me? The Bible you have in your hand means that you don't live by the Constitution of the United States of America. You live by the Word of God. That's what... The primary directive comes from. Some said what we need most is evangelism and mission. And you saw the movie today. No one can deny the message of Matthew chapter 28 verses 16 through 20. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. It's all over scripture that God wants us to reach out to the lost. Bring them in. Bring them in. Bring them in from the field of sin. Bring them in. Bring them in. Bring the wandering ones to Jesus. 
our responsibility. It's not just the responsibility of the pastor. It's not just the responsibility of the mission and evangelism team. It's the mission of every one of us. We are to reach out to those who are lost. That is very important. It's actually the primary mission of the church. It's a mission of the church. It's not the being of the church. We need to reach out to our community in social outreach. We need to reach out to our community in meeting their needs. But I submit to you, that is not the most urgent need of the church. Are you still with me? Am I boring you? Okay, you, you're there. Some people say what we need the most is the true knowledge of the Bible. And you know that I am with that. We need the true knowledge of the Bible. We need people who really study the Bible. Let me tell you that in my 31 years, actually 32 years of ministry as a pastor, I have never seen a church where more than 20% of the people in the church truly believe in studying the Bible. Including Village Baptist Church. We all believe in reading the word. We all believe the pastor should preach the word, do good exegesis, be an expositor of the word of God. When he comes, we don't want him to say, Mary had a little lamb. We're not here for him to, to hoop and holler and do all that. But we expect him to preach the word of God, but many of us don't listen. Many of us don't listen. We baptized 12 people last week. And I gave them scriptures. And I'm not going to test them right now. But I wonder what will happen if I were to ask them. What about the two scripture passages I gave you? Do you, do you have them memorized? I'm not asking you to answer the question. <laughs> How many of us truly believe in studying the Word of God? How many of us in the church have our concordances? How many of us have our Bible dictionary? How many of us have at least one Bible commentary? How many of us teach Sunday school, but the only thing we have is the Sunday school curriculum? And we're reading the Bible right now. Every month we have at least one book in the Bible that we're reading. Last, last month we read the book of uh, Titus and Revelation. This month we're reading the book of Daniel. Two apocalyptic books. Next one after the other. But every time... I get my big mouth there to ask you questions about things you've read. Some people think I just fell from Jupiter. (laughs) Amen. Like I talk about the musicians, immediately prayer is over. Immediately singing is over. And they know it's time now for questions and answers. They don't think I see them, but they go out the back door. 
I'm not into that. I'm not in Sunday school. I'm not going to let anybody test me on what I have read. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just here to enjoy. I'm just here to hear somebody talk to me. Amen, lights. I know the lights agree with me. We say, well, I believe in the Bible, but don't tell me to study it. Don't tell me to read it. Don't tell me to pay attention to what I'm reading. Oh, I believe the Word of God. And some of us will say, I'm standing on the Word of God. That's probably why you haven't opened it, because you're standing on it. Anyway, I don't have time. I believe that our knowledge of the Bible is very shallow. Very shallow. Most of us have our favorite verses. And that's all we're limited to. Oh, John 3, 16. <laughs> How many of you know John 3, 16? All the hands go. Please let me see your hands. Don't be ashamed. I raised two hands. Okay, thank you. How many of you know John 3.17? You see the number went down real quick. And 17 is just as important as 16. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him had what? He saved. But we just say, forget that. Don't don't read John 3.16. That is the problem when our knowledge of the Bible is very shallow. I know your knowledge of the Bible is shallow when you're following uh, Bishop Jake, whatever his name is. T.D. Jake. Jake's? See the jakes. Amen. If you can't tell, you know how they know that you have a fake dollar bill? All those people doing all that marking and everything. You know, the people are finding a way to go over that marking thing. In fact, let me tell you my experience when I went to the White House. And uh, we were in one room, and uh, the, the Treasury Department came and told us that uh, our country is in trouble, and they want to help out and different things. He said, but they have a demonstration they want to do. They have $200 bills. The room was filled with ministers, doctors, lawyers, and community leaders that have been invited to the White House to invite, to, to advise the president on what they need to do. And they passed the money around, and the man said, Now, I want you to know that there's one real $100 bill, and there's one fake $100 bill. But I want to tell you, when the money gets back to me, I want both. Because the last time I did it with a group, only the fake one got back to me. 
I know it wasn't taken by a minister. <laughs> Maybe by the lawyers and the judges. <laughs> but let me tell you what I learned from that meeting was the way you know the false is to know the real. It has nothing to do with marking pencils or, or ink or something. No, know what the real thing is. When the unreal comes, you can tell right away. That is how they train bankers. They train bankers. They train people in the treasury department to know the real so that they can search out the fake. Many of us will fall for anything because we don't know the real thing. Our knowledge of the Word of God is so shallow. Our experience with God is so shallow. We will take anything as real. As long as they're saying something that sounds good. That's why every service you ask somebody, how was the message today? Oh, I don't, you know, I can't remember the passage or anything, but the Spirit was there. And when people tell you the Spirit was there, all they're saying is the pastor was emotional. Amen. How can the spirit be there just because I went, ah, oh, ah, oh. You may want to ask Frida what I ate before I came here. We have been so entertained so much that our knowledge of the Bible, our love for the Bible is so shallow and so unreal. Amen. Some of you think Sunday school is for children. Amen, light. Don't go ahead of me now. I still have a few minutes left. Okay. If you don't go to Sunday school, I don't know why. That's what it's called Sunday school. Say so school held on Sunday. <laughs> the only reason why you should not be in Sunday school is because you know the Bible from Genesis to Revolution. <laughs> I don't know anyone in here that does that. You should be in Sunday school. You should not be in Sunday school because you like the teacher. You should not be in Sunday school before you're, because your friend is teaching. You should not be in Sunday school because the men are teaching today. Amen. Some people say, well, I can't allow a woman to teach me. If, the, if God gave them the, the gift of teaching, who are you? Hallelujah. You're having fun, ain't you? Praise the Lord. Some people say what we need is true worship of God. My wife will say amen to that. And the priest then will say amen to that. When you come here, they, they don't want you to come in here and look like somebody just stole your rice from you. Amen. 
Hey man, I'm just talking to myself right now. <laughs> they want you to come here because you love the Lord, because you want to praise Him, because you want to sing praises to Him. Guess what? God says, I want to hear your praises. That's what He says. Amen. If you think that your sin, the sins in your life, pulling you down from worshiping God, immediately you get over there, you see that wall we put in there? Nobody will know. Just get on your knees and pray. Say, God, I'm going into your worship right now. I know I am a sinner. Forgive me, and I know you've heard me. I'm coming here free. There should be no reason why you should not be worshiping God. I know we are not all going to worship God the same way. Some of us have loud mouths. We're going to sing loud. Amen. Some of you ought not to be singing loud. But we come here so we can worship God. And it is indeed true that when we worship God, God enjoys, enjoys the community of His people. We need more expository preaching. We need more exegetical preaching. We need more. We need more prophecy. We need more speaking in tongues in our worship services. As long as we have interpreters... Amen. Amen. God won't give you a tongue when he doesn't have somebody else in there to interpret it. You can do it once and get away one time and get away with it here. Try and do it the second time, I'm gonna tell you to shut up. We need to live our lives in such a way that people will be converted when they see us. Is that important? Is our worship important? It will make people to want to come back in when they see the experience of God. When they know that God is truly among us. We worship. I was so blessed today when I just look around and see people raising their hands and praising God as they are commanded in the word of God. I see people using their tambourine as they are commanded in the word of God. I see people clapping their hands as they are commanded in the word of God. All these things are important for the worship of God in the house of God. But that is not our most urgent need. If the church is going to be the church of God, what we need the most, and I'm concluding, is based on the two passages that I gave you today. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, and Romans chapter 12, verse 12. In fact, if you read Romans chapter 12, you read from verse 1 through verse 12, you will get the whole picture. Was Romans 12, 12. What we need most in the church of Jesus today is to know God. Not to know the Bible. Not to worship with all emotional outbursts. 
not to worship God with enthusiasm. Those are good. They are great. And I want that to happen in our church. But if our church is going to be the church of Jesus Christ, what we need the most is to know God. We need to know God. Many of us just think of God as Santa Claus. What is He going to give me? You know, your, your relationship to God is based on what you can get. That is why there are so many churches today that are bringing in thousands and thousands and thousands based on wealth and health theology. I have a brother in Nigeria that's been going to the same church. If you went to their church, Biodu can testify to it here. If you went to their church, they go in like cattle and they go out as cattle. At least every worship service has no less than 50,000 people. They just push them in. They worship in a stadium and they push them out. And they push them in and push them out. And every time I'm talking to my brother, he is so ignorant about the word. He's been going to the same church that's promising him health and wealth. And he's still living off me. Every time I turn around... He needs, I guess God just said, you know, I'm going to bless you through your brother. (laughs) We need to understand that God wants us to know Him. God doesn't want us to have selfish relationship with Him. Many of us are running after God's blessings, but not after God. You need to know Him. How do you know somebody? You don't know somebody because you see them once a week. Amen. If you want to find out about me, you can ask my children. You can ask my wife. Well, you can't ask from people who just see me every now and then. Thank you. She knows me too. <laughs> if you want to know God, you have to spend time with God. Some of us are dating God. Amen. You know what dating is? You haven't made up your mind yet. Amen. Some of you that are dating forever and not going to get married, you're chicken. Amen. And if somebody is dating you, they tell you all the sweet stuff when they want something. Amen, likes. And you foolishly give it to them. 
you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. Amen. At least I know men. I won't talk about men. Men can talk sweet talk. Amen. When they want something sweet. Hey, babe, I'll go in the valley for you. I'll climb Mount Kilimanjaro for you. I'll go to Timbuk Three for you. I promise you my wallet, even nothing is in it. You know, they want to promise you everything. But the most important thing I want to commit to you, you'll never hear that. And then you keep giving it to them. They find different ways to lie to you. That's what dating is. Amen. When dating is over, real relationship begins. You know, you be with some men or some ladies and you go to dinner with them and when you're dating, you would think they can't eat. I mean, you're going, I paid all this money and you didn't even touch the food. Now wait till you get married. Oh, they can eat. <laughs> you can't know God by dating Him on Sundays. You cannot know Him by dating Him on Wednesdays. You have to know Him by living with Him every day. Every day. That's why. Do you know the language of God? is prayer. If you want to learn the language of God, it's not singing. It's prayer. You know a Christian, not when they open their mouth, when the drum is playing and the piano is going and the guitar is strumming. No, when you know them, when they're on their knees praying to God. You've got to have yeah, I won't say a little talk, but it's got to be more than a little talk. You want to talk with God. That's how you know Him. You want to spend time with Him. That's how you know Him. You cannot know your children if you don't spend time with them. Before my children became teenagers, I knew all of their things. Let me put it that way. Because you can ask them, when they were growing up, there was one day you don't fool with my time with my children. They're more important to me than the church. And I spent time with them. I don't know, we may have missed one or two if it rained, but we'll go to Chuck E. Cheese together. I learned the ones that love to just play and play and play and come back. Uh, that give me some more tokens. <laughs> you out already? Yeah. <laughs> I 
And I knew the ones that on our way home, I hear sounds. I say, what is that? My tokens. <laughs> How many do you have left? The 20 you gave me? <laughs> I won't tell you the initials. <laughs> for you. I am there with you. Even if you do it in your closet, I am there with you. And if you want to know him, you better start communicating with him every day. For he wants to know you better. And you need to know him in the power of his resurrection. Amen? Praise God. And sorry I took too much time. Let's bow our heads.